Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to a, another episode of the Chase Thomas podcast, where I'm still the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee, up there in New York City. It's, New York City. It's so good. It's, I think it's, it's a getting great better bit. as I do it. I'd like to think anyway. I think you are. Uh, I think you are. Um, that's Fangraph's own John Taylor with the beautiful skyline of the Big Apple right behind him, and the slight reflection of the TV. Well, I don't know. I don't know if you can actually see that. Can you see the TV reflection in the window? Well, let's not like push on the kind TV of? aspect of this because I don't know if that's like a legal thing. Let's not. Oh, uh, so what you're saying is I should put a movie on right now? Yeah, definitely that. Mm-hmm. Okay. And make sure it's as loud as humanly possible to make sure there's a crossover, yeah. not just for the video element of this show, but also for, for the, the audio. audio. Yeah, mm-hmm. of course, because I want people to be able to hear at a slight distant, but still <laughs> like noticeable volume mm-hmm. what's going on. Right. That's what we want. So if you can make that happen, that'd be great. Um, yeah, and I'm just one thousand percent all the way here for all of that. Um, John Taylor, how are you doing, yes. sir? I am doing all right. Just watched the end of the ALDS. the The both championship series are now set. Uh, we are one round closer to the World Series, or one round closer to a championship. Uh, as obviously not a Yankees fan, can't really say I enjoyed those last two ALDS games. But you know what? The Yankees were always the favorite to advance in that series anyway. Um, what are you going to do? I mean, that, that Cleveland was a good team, but I think you could see throughout the series, you know, they're a resilient team, a talented team. Uh, but I, I think you could definitely see the ways in which they were not a true contender, you know, that there was still some real big gaps on that roster when it comes to being able to make a, a deeper postseason push and you know kudos to them for for taking it to five games you know they had two chances obviously to finish in advance they they, they lost both but definitely a better a better result i think at least at the very least a better uh performance against the yankees even though at, at the same time you know i think what we saw of this yankees team in the postseason reinforces a lot of what we saw of them during the regular season which is to say hyper talented but deeply inconsistent and really seems like you don't know what you're going to get from day to day. So yeah, uh, I'm, I'm doing good. I'm, I'm, in, I'm enjoying these playoffs. So this has been, this has been wild watching the fans in Philly and San Diego, just go absolutely buck wild with those uh, division series upsets was a lot of fun, but yeah, I, I really liked it. It was pretty, it was pretty good. Um, it's also just, look, the sky is not falling. John Taylor, uh, for the folks that were really concerned about oh what does this mean uh, specifically uh, um John, uh, like Keith Olbermann on Twitter very upset about um the 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 100 plus win teams specifically uh the the Mets and the Dodgers uh specifically those two teams and only those two teams who won over 100 regular season games and were eliminated that was the the focus of everyone not just Olbermann of who lost earlier than uh, most had anticipated in baseball and there was a third team but i, I cannot i cannot the, put my finger the mets the braves and the dodgers were the oh was oh, the braves the third team how did i how did i completely miss that you were being wow right over my head that's embarrassing okay <laughs> let's <laughs> look i know i know it's easy for you to forget about the braves d- deep as you've been in just listening to rocky top over and mm. over again for the last 72 hours now at this point yeah um, graves had to die for the rocky top uh renaissance look if you if you could have chosen one of them to sacrifice i know which one you would have chosen well here's the difference the Braves won last year exactly John. that's what like, i'm saying i just once you've won you've won one i'm a firm believer in like you can't really complain for a decade you got the ring like everything after this like you know you yeah, had the run it's great yeah i'm not i'm not stressing it's uh it's fine um they'll be back next year in this winter it's gonna the braves are gonna have a totally normal winter very normal things are great normal um but yeah so i just thought that was interesting because there was a lot of skies falling oh the new format it's just going to be all these wild card teams advancing and then lo and behold the al and the nl are completely different in that Mm -hmm. the nl has two surprises in the pods 
and the Phillies and the AL, the exact two teams that everyone figured going into the 2022 Major League Baseball season uh, withstood um, the the Mariners of the world, the Guardians, those fun teams that made it in the NL. They didn't in the pot, and we're getting Astros, Yankees, and the AL. So um, the third time in the last six years, an Astros, Yankees, ALCS. Right. So guess what? The advance, uh, the getting more teams in Major League Baseball postseason did not uh, kill the value of being a very good regular season team, and that if you win a hundred plus games or you're a very good regular season team, that does not mean you are all going to get wiped out uh, no, by just, the lesser teams. Yeah. Sometimes, I mean, it's it's funny thing, but like the I think the 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 lesson from this all is baseball happens. Yep. You know, anything can happen in a short series. Teams better, better, better regular season teams have been losing short series in the postseason since the beginning of the postseason. Mm-hmm. Um, over for us, Jay Jaffe wrote a very exhaustive piece kind of looking at the history of that and pretty much concluding that like one, this is not exactly new and it's not really something where you can necessarily say, oh, it's the playoff format's fault. But mm-hmm. on the other hand, this is also the kind of more likely end result of a bigger postseason that has more short round, more short series rounds so to mm-hmm. speak like you, you you just have to accept this as part of baseball and i also like part of part of what i don't get is why is there anyone crying over 100 win teams not winning a championship who cares what why, why are we why are we trying to be, like why are we being oh please can't someone please think of the of the <laughs> super teams who cares yeah. like the fact that the dodgers haven't won every championship in their reign of being basically the best team in baseball I don't think makes baseball or MLB a lesser product. I think it just means sometimes in the postseason shit happens. Billy Bean said it. My shit doesn't work in the playoffs. Sometimes it just doesn't work, you know, and that's not like they're it's not like the Dodgers who played in the postseason were all that materially different or or, or better said or all that materially not different than the team that played in the regular season. They just ran into some bad luck on balls in play. They stopped hitting with runners in scoring position. And I think there were some questionable pitching decisions, both in terms of, I think, starting Tony Gonsolin in game three, similar to the Braves starting Spencer Strider in game three. I think ultimately you can look back in hindsight and say that was a mistake. Mm. And I think some of the bullpen choices that Dave Roberts made were probably not the optimal choices to make. Then again, that happens every postseason. Like, I'm not sure why also there's complaining about something Dave Roberts does every single year. Like, it's that's just kind of the bargain you get with Dave Roberts. And at the same time, I don't really see anything in there that needs to be fixed. You know, mm-hmm. the only way you fix this fix, the only way you change this to be in a place where, oh, the best teams in the regular season also meet for the championship is if you go to the way things were way back when before expansion in 69, where it was just the two top team, the top team in each league automatically wins the pennant and plays in the World Series. And yeah. sure, we can go back to that, but I really don't just think watch Angels are- in the outfield. Yeah, I, I really don't think people are going to enjoy or would enjoy the return to that playoff format, though. Like, I, I don't really think that after... I mean, consider the fact that the Dodgers had, what, a 10-game a, a edge on the Braves for the mm-hmm. best record in, in the National League. The Astros had a roughly, I think, what was it? How many wins did the Astros finish with? Like 103, 104? I can't remember off the top of my head. Something like, I mean, they were... But they they were comfortably ahead of the Yankees for yes. for the great majority of the of the of the season or not the great majority but for I was gonna say not the great majority the Yankees the second half has, yeah. yeah that's true but so consider with that we would have known not only who would be winning the pennant but also who'd be winning the world who'd be playing in the World Series from like mid August onward yeah. how is that any more fun like don't you think at that point people would just be like okay well the rest of the season doesn't matter unless you're a fan of these two teams later like. I, I yeah, don't no, understand this how postseason. I think has had the most broad engagement in years. Like it, Mariners it is, fans all being in, the Phillies fans all be. No, definitely, is this has been a positive. It's good for the health of the sport if teams yeah. like the Padres and the Phillies and the Mariners can not only get into the postseason but also succeed in it. Mm-hmm. You can argue and quibble all you want about the methods of getting them into the postseason, and I still don't necessarily like the idea of expanding the postseason, if only because I do worry that the bar for becoming a postseason team gets low enough to the point that owners do not have to spend as much as they should and that it's going to hurt player financials and economics because teams are just going to aim. Well, at least the theory would be teams will just aim to win 84 games and hope that, you know, when the short season tournament comes around or short series tournament, rather, that they can, you know, just get hot at the right time. But, but we're the not same, there yet. We're not, we're not there. there yet. And at the same time, like the Phillies, Padres and Mariners, at least, and Cleveland, at least for the last two months of the season, we're all legitimately good teams. 
Mm-hmm. Were they as good as the Dodgers or the Yankees or the Astros or the Braves or the Mets? No, there was a clear separation in terms of the great teams and the really good teams. But it's not like this is this isn't like a sub 500 team sneaking into the. This isn't like the annual AFC South winner managing to make a run to the Super Bowl or something. You know, where they just beat up on crap competition. If the if Cleveland had won and advanced to the World Series, okay, that's one thing where you're like they're here in large part because they beat the crap out of the Royals and the Tigers. But then they also went and beat the teams that mattered when it mattered. Mm-hmm. You know, this and this is like with the Phillies and Padres too. I think people expected those two teams to be good. I know I I didn't particularly uh, I wasn't particularly on the Phillies bandwagon this offseason. I know you would, you know, you were saying that they could be an NL East title pick. They I mean they weren't, but that's only because the Braves and the Mets were so much better ahead of or so yeah. much further ahead of them. And ultimately that's still a pretty good damn team at the end of the day. But regardless, it's good Very for top heavy. It's good for baseball for there to be. Was anyone really excited about the idea of repeating last year's championship series of getting Me. Braves, Dodgers, and oh, okay, mm. fine. But <laughs> at least from a narrative standpoint, from a from an enthusiasm standpoint, from a from the standpoint of selling the series in terms of you're seeing something new and different. This is better, I think. And like, mm. I I also have no, I refuse to shed any tears for like Rob Manfred and baseball having a harder time selling Padres Phillies than they would have Braves Dodgers. I don't care. I just Mm -hmm. want to watch good baseball. If that ends up getting less ratings or worse ratings than the other series would have, because it's, it's smaller cities with smaller fan bases. You're not Rob Manfred. You're not in the front of it. It doesn't affect your life at all. MLB's finance or MLB's uh, revenues in 2022 were, are are set to be again, over $10 billion for like the, fifth non-pandemic <laughs> fifth year in a row not counting like 2020 mm-hmm. this league makes money hand over fist every owner makes money hand over fist rob manfred rob manfred's salary is not going to go down an iota yeah a single cent because he got padres phillies instead of the Braves worst Dodgers. fan is the one who complains about that though honestly like i can't like that is the worst fan yeah, the baseball one who complained. If, if baseball's dying why is there so much uproar over this thing happening yeah people care people genuinely care and i understand that if you're a fan of the braves or the dodgers or the mets you're probably feeling a little salty that you did all of this throughout the regular season. You were clearly one of the best teams. And then within the span of a week, your season is effectively over. And that sucks. There's that's there's there's no discounting that. That just sucks. Like college basketball fans are used to this. And I think exactly. a, so like, this is how it works in every single yeah. postseason. The only difference is like baseball as opposed to football and the NBA and the NHL usually or better said those three other leagues and most or at least in terms of North American sports, professional sports. Those three other leagues, and those just, I know obviously we have many other sports beyond that, but those three in particular usually don't have a super great regular season team, multiple super great regular season teams just leading the pack. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's rare that you get an NFL team that goes better than like 13 and three. And if they do, it's something like historic, like it's a, it's the undefeated Patriots or it's the whole uh, model the, is built to make everyone go eight and eight. Yes, exactly. It's or, or same with the NHL, same with the, mm-hmm. you know, the NBA. It's like the the Warriors, the year they, they broke the, the Bulls wins record. Like that was obviously something where everyone was like, that's not supposed to happen. Like you're not supposed to be that good at all. Like, whereas I think in baseball, it's like, yeah, you we've seen that before. Like, remember the 2001 Mariners, the literal like uh, record holders of, of single season wins who went out in the ALCS and the Yankees like this happens. It, it will continue to happen because so long as you have a postseason that has a short, essentially a short seat, short series tournament format, a la the NCAA tournament or a la any other uh, structured playoff format in North American sports. This is just going to happen. You know, it, this is just the reality. Like you are going to divorce regular season results from postseason results. But I think it's a misconception to think that because postseason results don't line up with regular season results, that therefore that means that there was something either wrong with the team or that regular season success does not equate or does not predict with greater confidence postseason success. Like the better team usually still wins. The better team usually wins a series, usually gets to the championship series. Like that's how it will be. It's going to continue to be that way. Like for for every year where we have like March Madness has 68 teams. And generally speaking, it's still like just two years ago, it still ended up with uh, Gonzaga and Baylor and the The final two best teams in the country. Yeah. Or even like, yeah, we got an 89 win Braves team winning the World Series last year. But in 2018, we got a we got a Red Sox team that won 108 games. In 2020, we got a Dodgers team that was flat out the best team in baseball and over the course of a full season probably would have put up a record right alongside the 2022 Dodgers. That's like, what we want. Variety. Different yeah, ways we to just, win. Yeah, that's, we just want variety. 2016, the Cubs were the best team in baseball and they won the World Series. Like this, mm. this is how it works sometimes. 
But then other years you get the 83 win Cardinals, you get the 89 win Braves, you get one of these two NL teams, neither of whom won 90 games, I think. Um, I don't think either won 90. They, one of them is going to play for the World Series, and there's a yeah. pretty good chance one of them wins the World Series. If nothing else, like f- whoever of Houston or New York makes it to the World Series, they will probably be the favorite, but it's only going to be like 55-45 or 60-40. Like the, four, the other percent still exists. Like yeah. a 60-40 chance is not a hundred to nothing chance. And we have to, and like, I think it would behoove a lot of fans to stop pretending that just because a team was really, really good in the regular season means they're automatically going to win a championship or better said, stop pretending or acting like a, a really, really good regular season team should by default win a championship. That's just not how it works. That's not how it's ever, ever worked, except for the way baseball existed when there were half as many teams and there were none west of the Mississippi. Like, if that's what you want, fine. But I don't think I don't think most fans well, would enjoy that. Just stop watching. That's not where we're going now. Like, no, that's if, that's, just, what, if that's, that's what you want, then watch soccer. Watch, yeah. watch the Premier League. Watch Premier League is the thing to watch. Watch, yeah. Bund, watch the Bundesliga, where Bayern Munich has won the title like ten straight years and is and always finishes the season like twenty points up on the number two team. Like, if you just want like regular season dominance to extend into or to guarantee essentially postseason dominance or a championship, watch one of those. And even then, if you're a soccer fan, you still have something like the Champions League, a short series tournament where the best teams don't always win. But it's That's also significantly cooler. Like San Diego, the way they reacted after winning and Will Myers buying shots and the fan base reactions. And it's just, you want that. And part of the reason that you want these 83 win teams to play the 100 win teams in the postseason and sometimes win is the reactions and the intensity and like the pressure on those 100 win teams to be like oh my god we're in a dogfight oh my god we're gonna lose the series oh my god after spending months and months on top we're actually uh going down here like that's that's what you want ultimately is you want yeah. that kind of pressure and you want it to go one or two like you just want I, that I variety this, i thought this country liked underdogs i thought that was the thing mm. where were all these people when uh when butler was making its ncaa tournament run mm. You know, or when or when Lehigh upset Duke in the NCAA tournament, wasn't everyone cheering for Lehigh? And granted, some of those because everyone I mean, hates we, Duke. You can get a most recent one. You get the St. Peter's uh, knocking yeah. off the Peacocks, the 15 yeah. seed, knocking off the Kentucky Wildcats. New Jersey represents somewhere over yeah. over there, outside past my window, <laughs> vaguely is St. Peter's. I think I don't actually remember what New Jersey town they're in. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, like I I I like no one says you have to like it. Again, if you're a fan of the Dodgers or the Mets or the Braves, be upset. That's entirely your right. Like your team didn't win the championship no Braves fans I'm gonna say this again you have no right to be upset don't be I think if you're I think if you're a Braves fan you can be upset that they just got flat out outplayed in the series top to bottom I mean Strider was not not right Charlie Morton gets hit and then he has to get pulled like there's a lot of weird stuff no Albies I also think think that series plays out differently one if Albies like you said if there is Albies and two if Strider doesn't hurt himself right before the season ends I think yeah that Strider injury ended up being way more consequential. And then Freed's than flu game. Like, Freed was not well in his start. Like, oh, was he, he sick in that? I, I missed that. He was sick like 10 days. Like, he's had the flu. Like, he was not oh. 100%. That would explain how why he looked so bad. Yeah. Um, I mean, part of it I also credited to the Phillies in that game just having a, a really, really smart approach against him, which was do not let him throw strikes. Do not let him just get ahead with the curveball. Do not let him get ahead with the fastball and then bury you with curveballs. Hunt his fastball. Let him get two outs and think everything's okay. (laughs) And also be aggressive when you attack him. Like he's going to throw first pitch strikes. He's going to throw strikes early in the count. Hunt them, hit them, and you'll win. And like that's the other thing. Like the this the Phillies winning was not a fluke. The Padres winning was not a fluke. The if the if the Guardians had won, I don't think it would have been a fluke necessarily. Hmm. It probably would have felt a little less so than the other, or a little more so maybe than the other two. But yeah, San Diego and Philadelphia straight up beat the other team. This isn't something where it's like, oh, there was bad calls made or I, I don't I don't look at it even similar to the way like last year's NLCS where it's like, yeah, the Dodgers beat or the Braves beat the Dodgers. But that Dodgers team was severely compromised by the time they got to that round. And I don't think we necessarily got a fair, even full series between the two teams at their best. But that's also part of the playoffs. You're never going to get that. There is always going to be someone compromised. There's always going to be injuries. There's always going to be weather delays and off days and weird stuff like that that complicates the calendar and messes with performance that's just what you have to accept as part of the postseason i think the the reaction we're getting from dodgers and braves and mets fans i think a lot of it is just being harshly reminded oh yeah sometimes it doesn't work like that i think especially for dodgers fans who now 
and, and I can understand it for them too. It's like they this has been seven straight years roughly of them being the best team in baseball and they have exactly one world series to show for it and it's a world series that a lot of people and i don't i don't necessarily agree with it but i can understand why a championship that a lot of people think of as at the very least like it's got like half an asterisk attached to it because of the short season and because of the weird format i get that i again i understand why those fans would be upset no one says you have to like it or no one says you have to like the no one says you have to like straight it straight division titles and won one world series like, yeah, that's, that's the thing. Not... Like, we have we have examples of this in the past. Mm. I remember what the post well, not remember because you, you weren't alive, neither of us were. But you know what the postseason was like before that? The Yankees winning every other World <laughs> Series, quite literally mm. every other World Series. They won like 20 out of 50 at one point. Like, is mm. that really what people would like instead? I, I, I don't really see how that's any better than the system we currently have. Well, if you have. ask any college the... football fan, they're thrilled at the Alabama dominance over the last 15 years. They've I was going to say, like, it, it, it would, would baseball fans prefer what the what college football looks like, where it's the same four teams in the postseason every single year, and it always ends with Alabama hoisting a title, or mm-hmm. the little crystal egg ball thing, whatever that thing is called? <laughs> Football is it a football? Yeah. The crystal football. What do they not? What do you not learn anything about college football at Columbia, John? Are, are, are the Lions not just very really getting funny. your roll? Right? Yeah. You know, I've watched them lose to Brown. You know how sad that is. It's Brown. 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 Anyway, no, I, I, I think Brown, this is, are they the worst Ivy League team in football? Yeah, it's either them or Dartmouth, probably. Mm. Um, but yeah, like I, I, and I also think there's a good thing to fan bases like the Mill. I love Phillies fans and I hate Phillies fans because mm. Philadelphia fans in general are psychotic in the best and worst ways. But I think it's good for like fans in San Diego and fans in Seattle and fans in Philadelphia and fans in Cleveland to have a feeling like, hey, we can actually win this shit. Mm-hmm. This is actually something that could happen. You know, that that's a good thing for baseball overall. If it means that more fan bases are more engaged and more teams can be more engaged, that's better. And like I said, I still don't know if the expanded postseason format is the way to do that, but... Well, it's not going away either. That's the thing. Like, Major League Baseball made a lot of money selling that extra round of games to ESPN. Like, they're not getting rid of that again anytime soon. The owners are not going to want to get rid of that. And even the players who I think probably would like to see a bigger slice of the pie are also not going to get too bent out of shape about doing this again. Because ultimately, more teams in the playoffs means more of those guys get to go to the playoffs. And that's ultimately what they want more than anything is to have the chance to win a championship. Absolutely. Um, John. Yes. This naturally leads us to uh, Jose Abreu. As, as one does. <laughs> Do you think this happens? I don't know. I mean, I, I'm, I'm a little confused as to why Chicago, why the White Sox seem like they're already ready to move on. Like this, that team's problem to a large degree was offense. And they decide that the best part, the best way to solve that is to get rid of one of the best offensive players of their last like five years. Well, I get that. The White Sox, older, you don't need but... me making any decisions anytime soon. You know, what you need to do is like, is Rick Hahn and what is our future with our front office? Like you don't Seriously, want, if you're yeah, a yeah, why, why, even is, why even is Rick Hahn being allowed to make decisions right now? Like I, I right. granted, I, there's been nothing to suggest, but I've been, and you, People who listen to have been adamant about this that I don't think Rick Hahn is the answer in Chicago, and I think the White Sox need a new approach. Mm. But yeah, it's like this guy who has led this team absolutely nowhere for the greater part of the last six years, aside from one Central Division title where they were then immediately wiped out in the postseason by uh, Houston. Mm. Why is this guy being allowed to call the shots still? And again, how is the best outcome here that you lose one of not just the best bats on the team, but also a guy who has been noted by everyone who covers that team, everyone who's familiar with it as being like the clubhouse leader, like a very important voice in that group. Is this really just so you can make room for Andrew Vaughn, a slightly above league average bat? Like I'm sure Vaughn will get better, but like they're like, like it just feels like if the, the problems with the White Sox, with the White Sox roster did not begin or end with Jose Abreu. He was very far from being part of the problem. And if this is something where it's like, oh, he wants more money than we feel comfortable giving a, a 36 or 37-year-old or however old Abreu is, I know he's on the older side, uh, first baseman with no ability to move to any other position. Okay, fine. I get that. But like, I don't know, man. I didn't get the sense from anything Abreu said after the season that he wanted to move on from Chicago. I got the sense he would happily stay It's like there. the Contreras thing just in... Uh... Uh, with the White Sox neither of these two guys who are just beloved by the fans and are important players to the team really want to leave Chicago but everything just keeps pointing like they're leaving Chicago and you're like what are you doing just do the obvious thing just pay this person and resign like, them. what are you doing like, what, what better are the White Sox going to do if this is if this is all part of a plan of like oh we're going to use that money to get better in our pitching staff or we're going to use that mm-hmm. money to go after 
that's not going to happen, but we're going to go after Aaron Judge or something. That's one mm -hmm. thing. But if the end result of this is, no, we're just getting rid of Abreu so that Vaughn can play first base and we could so that it'll get, open up more at-bats for other different guys who aren't as good, it's like, then what? What? what was the, what's the point, ultimately? Yeah. It's it's too early to decide, but I did find it weird that it, it already feels so definitive that Jose Abreu is not coming back to Chicago, and it's like, why not? Yeah. Like, and what, I wonder if that leads to more changes. Like, Sorry? is Tim Anderson, like, is he part of this long-term Look, thing? Look, I... Like, I would be I'm going to be really interested to watch this White Sox offseason if only because I think if Han doesn't go then this mm -hmm. is this is his last offseason and that the that this is the all right you've got one last chance make this team good or else you're done which is also going to be interesting to see uh play out with regards to how they handle the managerial decision because yeah. whoever Han hires or let's be honest whoever Jerry Reinsdorf approves of Mm -hmm. theoretically at least if han were to be let go the new incoming manager or front office regime would probably be like hey we'd like to have our own guy in charge not the dude that the last that the outgoing guy picked so mm -hmm. i think we'll also get a better sense of how things are going to operate in chicago when we start hearing more of the names connected to that managerial search as opposed to what i hope is obvious like screwing around with with like mentioning ozzy guillen it's like there's no there's way no that way. the white Sox are stupid enough to do that they're not doing that no it's like let's i, I, I think they're just really... gonna go the cheap way and he might just be the right guy anyway based on what we saw but miguel, the, uh, cairo. miguel cairo i think that makes yeah. sense too because the other thing about that is if a new regime comes in and cairo hasn't performed it's easy enough to say well he was part of the old regime and he's not he's not a guy that you know was brought in at any great expense he would also be he would be leaving anyway if han were to go in the first yeah. place or maybe they would move him into a, a different kind of role but like it kind of feels a little bit like the the thompson aspect in uh in philly yeah it yeah. does um, but I, I will be watching the White Sox offseason with great interest because and I think especially like the way this roster has kind of been put together, the way it looks like they, they have all these kinds of weird questions about them. Uh, you know, the, the AL Central obviously is there for the taking. And I think the Guardians will go into the season probably as the favorite for the division, just based off of how they ended this year. The fact that they're a very young team with a very good farm system. Another team also that I'll be very interested to see what they do in the offseason. But Regardless, the Central will be there for the taking, though. I don't think that we're going to go into next season unless Cleveland does some really out-of-character stuff. Yeah, uh, I don't think we're going to go into next season with a definitive, like... It's like, like whenever the Rays win the AL there. East, you're like, yeah. okay, well, that was cool, but, like... Well, it's like, it's, it's yeah. like I can see how that happened, but that doesn't mean I'm going to go into next season thinking right. it's going to happen again. Yeah. You know? Same sort it, of thing. Yeah, and I think the White Sox, with the right moves, are very much right back in the conversation there. We'll see. I mean, but from the Cubs aspect, the fact that they're linked there, do you think this signals? I think they're going to spend a little bit. I, I, my gut tells me that they're going to be buyers this winter. And I, I mean, don't know. my, my consistent feeling about the Cubs has been, and I, I know I said it when we talked about, uh, I forget which player we talked about. We've been previously connected to them, but that oh, Correa. I don't, them, I don't see them being Correa. That's right. I don't see mm -hmm. them being big spenders this off season. I see them being bigger spenders next off season, you know, they're going to where they need one more year to kind of like sort through, okay, the prospects in our system, who's ready, who's not the young guys on this team, who's actually part of this core, who is not get rid of some of the money on the books to guys like Kyle Hendricks. Uh, obviously they, I don't think they're bringing Contreras back. So that will be money. I think that they will pocket Stroman's contract will expire. Uh, there might be an option somewhere in there, but either way, um figure out what exactly they have it is fully in say suzuki because he never really got the full season to do that because of injuries i don't think they're ready to make that next step or to take that next step i think it's more likely we see it the year after that when we get a better sense of the cut of what the cubs young core looks like and when i think that ownership and front office group is going to align to be like yes these next three years that's our window we'll spend within that window and then if it doesn't work well guess what we're doing again yeah, well, we'll see. I think post Chicago uh, teams are going to be very, very fascinating to monitor this winter. Um, an extension for uh, the Cardinals general manager Michael Gersh has he been good, John? Would you say he's think, been good? Yeah. I think okay. so. I think I think St. Louis has done a pretty good job. I think the one thing you can probably fault St. Louis for is not making the extra move necessary to take that team from NL Central contender slash favorite to actual World Series contender. Mm -hmm. I think it, it's funny when the when that Josh or Josh Jordan Montgomery Harrison Bader trade happened and there was that feeling of, well, this doesn't really make sense for New York. Like, why are they getting rid of a useful starter in Montgomery for a guy in Bader who's not even going to be able to play for them until the postseason? 
I think a lot of the speculation at the time was, well, it's a trade for October for New York and for the rest of the season for the Cardinals because they need more regular season help than they do postseason help. But that's not even really true because their pitching upgrades stopped at Jordan Montgomery and Jose Quintana for Mm -hmm. a rotation that really, really needed it. And I think for whatever reason, and similarly with the Juan Soto trade where, you know, the rumor or the reporting was that St. Louis was the number two team to San Diego, but they weren't willing to part with Dylan Carlson or whatever combination of prospects it was would have netted them Soto instead. That's, I think, the big thing that's been missing from St. Louis in the last few years is that willingness to go over the top, particularly at the deadline. Obviously, they made the big trade for Goldschmidt. They made the big trade for Arenado, although I think especially in the case of Arenado, you can argue that trade cost them essentially nothing. But, you know, there there hasn't really been that, like, killer instinct. And I don't know if that's an ownership thing. I don't know if that's an over... Uh, an overconfidence in the rot in the way the roster is built. I don't know if that's just a general mission just to, we'll get to the postseason and see what happens. But at the very least, I think, you know, with especially this year's Cardinals team, and that's the only, that's all I can really go on for now. I didn't really get the feeling that that team was going to make a lot of noise in the postseason. Mm-hmm. You know, that did not strike me as a team that was really going to make a deep run because the roster that was, that had been assembled was not really the kind of roster. I think you equate with deep kind of, run. they didn't have the aces up top. They didn't really have that long, deep lineup. They didn't really have that shutdown bullpen. You know, every one of these teams currently in the championship series, you can point to one aspect of their team where it's like, yeah, that is essential for them to be here in October to a certain degree. The Phillies have Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola. The Padres have a great bullpen plus Manny Machado and Juan Soto in the lineup, plus a very good starting rotation with Darvish Snell and Musgrove. You know, the, the Astros have everything the Astros have. The Yankees, for all their weirdness, have... Uh, elite combinations the the Cardinals never really had that with the exception of Goldschmidt and Arenado as that kind of middle of the order combination and some individual good bullpen performances like Ryan Helsley they didn't really have that kind of they were they were competent I think and I think if if you want to if you want to ding the Cardinals for anything and what I think I would ding them for is they 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 are very commonly competent they are always contenders they are always part of the race they're never really more than that yeah. You don't ever really go into the postseason with the Cardinals feeling like, yeah, this team is just going to run roughshod over the rest of the league. It never really happens. And again, I don't know if that's the combination of Gersh and President of Baseball Operations John Mazeliak in terms of uh, in terms of a, a planning. I don't know if that's ownership refusing to spend more, but that always to me feels like the missing piece in St. Louis that they just do not get themselves over the top the same way that other teams do. And now they're entering a weird offseason. I mean, looks like Yachty, Wainwright, and Pools all gone. A lot of veterans out the door. Um, we'll Everyone's see. getting a year older. And I think yeah. the, the good thing for St. Louis is they do have a really good farm system that's going to keep producing good young talent that we've already, we're already starting to see make its way up. But Are they the yeah, favorites going into next year? For the Central? I'm probably. Yeah. I, I'd okay. have to think so. I, I'm not... Unless the Cubs or the Brewers do really big things, I, I I imagine I'd be making the Cardinals my my preseason NL Central pick. But again, like I'd be fine doing that because that's that's one of the safest bets you can make is the Cardinals will win the NL Central. But I'm not going to bet on anything more from that team unless it actually does the thing that it's been needing to do for a while now and go out and get you know that missing piece at the deadline or at some point during the season to make it make itself better. Uh, John, the big yeah. four of the shortstop free agents trey turner dancy mm-hmm. swanson yep. carlos correa xander bogarts yep. if you had to rank those four right now going into this winter in terms of any team looking to just get the best player for the next two to three years at that spot mm-hmm. how would you do it like who would you uh, prioritize one through four i think my priority number one is turner i okay. think he's the really best. turner number one i think he his combination of offense and speed is unmatched by any other option out there. I know defensively he's not the strongest. I I know we saw in the division series he made some kind of bizarre plays that seemed like I don't, I don't know Trey Turner just seemed kind of weirdly checked out during the series. Like there was something going on and that was he was he was the only one privy to it. It was a weird series for him. Yeah. Um but I think Turner ultimately is probably the best. I mean I think also age age is important here. They're all relatively close in age. Yeah, but like Turner and Correa are younger than Bogarts and and Swanson. And that 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 does make a big difference. I know you said just for the next two or three years, so it yeah. makes less of a difference in there. Turner's 29. Like, what is Dansby? Dansby's not young. Oh, what is Dansby? Dansby's 30. He just turned 30? Mm-hmm. No, he's 28. That's what I thought. I thought Dansby was younger than that. I'm sorry. Xander is 30. I was going to say, I, I, I thought October. Dansby was like 28. I, want, I was going to say, I thought he was younger than everybody. Okay. Okay. 
So, but I, I'm still probably taking Turner one just because the tools and the ability, especially with the speed to change the game is, is especially as I, I'd be interested too to see next year what the pitch clock does in terms of mm. stolen bases and, and also what the kind of new rule on throwing over to first does for that. Um, Do you think you get more stolen bases or less next year? I think there will be more opportunities to run and more opportunities yeah. to steal based on the ability to um, time the pitch or, clock. Yeah, exactly. Essentially to game the pitch clock and to time it. Um, after that, I mean, it, it's tough because honestly, like I could say they're all just my one, they're one A, one B, one C and one D. I don't think there's any real clear, heavy separation between the four of them. Mm-hmm. I just personally, I think I would go with Turner. If I couldn't go with Turner, then I would probably go with Correa. Um, I think probably the best tools of that group individually, the best defender of the four, I think. Um, I have a take. Okay. I Is think Correa's four for me. Okay. I can understand that. I, I want to hear your reasoning, but I can understand that just off the bat. I think at this point, when you're getting near in 30 and this kind of money with these four and what it's going to cost to bring in one of these four for a two to three year timetable, even if you're a contender, if I'm doing this, like I am betting on you being available and ready to go for a full postseason. And uh, I just, I, I don't know if I'm there with Gray anymore. I don't. There have been a lot of injuries to worry yeah. about with him. He's, he's been injury prone. Dansby, the one thing about Dansby, and he had a great year, um, it seems like the winner aspect to him rubs a lot of clubs the right way, where it seems like there is a respect around baseball for the way he goes into each and every day uh, playing the game, and that he's someone you want kind of in the in the war room come playoff time. And, I mean, he was, I think, of every Brave who... I saw after the series loss, he was the most upset. He took well, it the he, hardest. I, I think the thing with a lot of the Braves players is they know they'll they're all coming back next year, and yeah, you know that they should be in this position again next year. Swanson, is I don't the, think Dancy's back. I no, my I, gut I tells think, me I don't think he's back. And I, and I think there's an understanding on his part that this was his last run with this team, and yeah. that wherever he goes from here, it's not going to be the same in any capacity. I mean, look at um, Freeman. It's like he had the best year of his career in Los Angeles, and you would never have known that based on the vibes and everything else. Like, it's it it's just it's tough. And well, I, I it, can, but I, I can understand too with Swanson, like the durability, especially this year played all 162 games. Yeah. The year before that, played 160. Um, great defender, good hit. It's really transformed himself into a good hitter. Definitely seems to be one of those positive clubhouse guys. Um, I can very much see that he would be in demand for a lot of teams, I think more so than Correa, who I think doesn't have quite as good as rep- a reputation, particularly when it comes to the durability. And I imagine, I wonder if there are teams that wonder about his whole, you know, I'm going to take a short deal with the twins. And then a year later be like, actually, no, I don't want to, I'm going to, I'm going to look for the money again. And it's like, right. I, I get what you're saying that it's like, can you actually make a commitment to a yeah. team that does not begin with, well, how much are you paying me first? Which granted that is Correa's right. And mm-hmm. that is that Correa needs to look out for Car- Carlos Correa needs to look out for Carlos Correa. But at the same time, I think I can understand there probably are some teams who may be a little turned off by the last year plus of of Correa. And I mean, it, it, if nothing else, like it definitely it, it, what caught us all by surprise so much about him joining Minnesota was the fact that it's like, really, it took mm-hmm. Minnesota to end this. There wasn't any really good team that was like, oh, hey, Carlos Correa is still available for literally just money. Let's sign Carlos Correa. That's so Can I tell you my, well, my one through four? Yeah. I got one Trey. I, I would still go Trey Turner over two to three years span. I would like, give me Trey Turner. And there, yeah. like, the hilarious part of this is I think there is a distinct possibility that Trey and Dansby flip this winner, which would be, be really hilarious. Um, I would not rule that out, folks. Um, Turner and Dansby playing for uh, the rival teams uh, next year. But um, I would do Trey one. I would do Bogarts two. Okay. I would do Dansby three, Correa four. So what what puts Bogarts over Dansby for you? I think I trust Bogarts hitting more in a three year okay. time span. That's like fair. I I I just trust it more. I trust what I've seen longer from Xander, and he's thirty. I, I think, think he's the most. Is, I think he's behind Turner in terms of reliability yes. when it comes to what you can expect production. Right. Wise. I think and the I worry... would just be terrified uh, with Dansby or Correa. Dansby and Correa scare me so much more than Trey and uh, Xander. That's fair. I think the one thing I worry about with Bogarts, where I might put him three behind Correa, mm-hmm. like and and Dansby's fourth in mind, but not because of anything Dansby does wrong. I just like the other three more in terms of what they bring to the table. Mm-hmm. But the thing that would scare me, I think, in terms of I think putting Bogarts ahead of Swanson, and that one really feels to me like either or. It doesn't really matter. 
mm-hmm. is the defense and how long Bogarts can stick at shortstop, whether or not he's a third baseman long term, a la Corey Seager. You know, I, I don't think that's something that necessarily has to happen like this coming year. The defensive metrics all seem to think Bogarts is at the very least fine at the position, mm-hmm. but I don't think he has the same upside that Correa and Swanson definitely do and that Turner, I think, does to a certain degree over him defensively, where you can feel good about those other three being long-term shortstops. I think it's less of a guarantee with Bogarts that he sticks there long-term. But over the next two to three years, I think that's no problem. And then I think Bogarts is a guy who probably moves into a corner outfield spot sometime in the next after the next two or three seasons. Which still, which still and, he's, and he's still a really good hitter on top of all that. Like you said, the, the consistency and the reliability of his offense, you know what you're going to get every season. He brings power. He brings a lot of line drives, a really solid approach at the plate. You know, he's stay, he is durable. He stays healthy. Um, all very is, important during a two to three year title window. And, and that's is also any a, of the teams that are signing one of these four players that's what they're thinking. Like it doesn't yeah. make sense to sign any of these four unless you are thinking title in a two to three year span. No. And, and I think that's the thing. All four of these guys, I think we're going to see go to championship contenders. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't think there's any, because I, because none of these guys are young enough. I think that any of the rebuilding teams can talk themselves into it. Although I, you know, it'd be really, really interesting to see. Mm. I think there are some dark horse teams that could get involved because of the price point that, mm. um, and I'd like to note that one of them, and this, I just thought of this. So it's, it's, you know, I'm not basing it really on anything hard, but, I really think the Orioles should be in on one of these four guys. Who would you say is the most Orioles option? Well, I, I mean, like there is Correa. a connection, right, with uh, Elias yeah. and Correa. I I really think I and now now that you mentioned that too, I'm I'm gonna start I'm gonna start getting in on this the same way we were trying to make uh, Correa to Detroit happen. Mm-hmm. Correa to Baltimore makes a ton of sense. I would love that. A ton, a ton of sense. Let's that just make the. Ready. I want the AL East to be a full-on bloodbath. The more we can make the AL East just an absolute bloodbath going into next year and the yeah. next couple of years, let's do it. Well, because the, the thing too with the Orioles is they can they can offer him. They'd be like, you know what? If all you want is a short deal with a ton mm. of money up front, fine. That's our mo, man. We got you. Yeah, it's fine. It's, they they're just not going to want to do something backloaded. Yeah. Because they're going to have to start paying for Rutschman and Mullins and all these other guys sooner rather than later. But see, that like speaks to the Correa question. Is like. We went to Correa of the four. Who's most likely to sign with a bad team? It's Correa, and that's like one of those. Well, because I think I think of I mean, and which is I don't. I mean, it sounds weird because I don't want to make it sound like oh, I think Correa is greedy, but I think we just. What it's we not greedy. Last... It's just we're not sure like how invested he is in like just winning and just. I mean, being he's, already, that... but that's he's already won a World Series. Exactly. You know, he. I mean, Dansby has one, two. Trey has. They've. I mean, yeah, every one of those guys has. And Xander, at least, yeah, they all have. Yeah, every one of those guys has at least one World Series ring, and some of them have two. Like. Mm-hmm. I think Xander has two and Turner has two. Yes. No, yes. Turner or was no, on the, the Dodgers, 19. No, the Dodgers got Turner in 2021, right? Was it 2021 or 2020? Yeah. No, it's 2020. he was on 2020. Was, was he it? not? Oh, God. I, memory is hard. Is that the other but, Turner? Justin Turner? Yeah. That's... Well, Justin Turner's been there since a dog. Well, there's also Chris Taylor. Yeah, I guess maybe not. Maybe. But either I, way. Yeah, like, Trey was not on the 2020 team. No, but all of those guys have at least one World Series ring and yeah. Bogart says two. Um so the, I think for them, definitely, it's not so much. I think they want to be on contending teams. I, I don't think either of them is going to go be like like Chris Bryant and be like, nah, man, just give me $150 million just to be, get to hang out. Shout out to Chris time. Bryant, though, for that. Like, no, an seriously, all-time great move. Seriously, like, if you if if a championship is not the most important thing to you. Or you already you, got it. Or you already and, got it. Why would you not just take as much money as you can to go play in the most low-pressure environment imaginable in a kick-ass city and state like Denver. never do an interview oh. ever again never no, no, have to none, of the, none of the local media ever cares the mm-hmm. fans will always show up no matter what your owners barely even know you exist like yes but no i i i don't necessarily think that or better said i think that all four of these guys will end up with contending teams anyway because like you said those are the teams most likely to want to be interested in them in the first place mm-hmm. i think correa is the only guy where a less than contending team might be interested because of the idea that as the youngest of those four, I believe the youngest of those four, he offers the longest window of competitiveness, which is, again, why I think a team like the Orioles or here's another one, the Mariners would make a ton of sense for him. I think he would make a lot of sense for a team that doesn't really have a long term shortstop solution. And I think Seattle also qualifies for that, given that they traded Noel V. Marte. I, I can see him being one of those kind of mid tier team or going to one of those kind of second tier teams that has a little more money to or that has a little more payroll space to play with if not necessarily more money you know whereas i think a team a player like swanson like you said is more likely to end up in a place like 
Los Angeles or New York. Maybe not New York because they're just going to call up Anthony Volpe, I think, and have that be that. Yeah, but, I don't think he's a New York guy. Or, or, in, the, or in the Mets, or not the Mets because they have Lindor, but mm-hmm. you know what I mean, in one of those top-tier teams. Or maybe, I don't know, maybe there is a, a route where he returns to Atlanta because he can't find the long-term deal he wants, and the Braves are just like, you know what? Yeah, we'll bring it back for two or three more years. It's fine. I don't... We'll see. We'll I don't see it, see but happens. I think, it, or, or even Boston. I think Swanson would make a ton of Swanson sense for Boston. Makes a lot of sense in Boston. Like if um, they're going to let Bogarts walk, I can, I can totally see, and he is going to walk at least in terms of opting out of his deal. I can totally see a world in which they reach out to Dansby Swanson's people and are like, "Want to just come here?" So people can say Dansby Swanson. <laughs> God, that was awful. I'm never doing that again. That was that. I, hey, that was God. a really bad Boston accent. I, I am. Mine would be worse. Sorry. Um, John, we'll end on this. Uh, your ALCS predictions who do you have winning each side uh i think houston wins the alcs i have been on i i think houston i I picked houston as my world series winner at the start of the postseason i haven't seen anything to dissuade me from that it is a really really good just all in because Jordan is just the new big poppy and you have a soft he is though that's a thing (laughs) yeah we can't discount that um yeah but like that's a really really good team it's a really good pitching staff. It's a really good bullpen. It's a really good lineup. They're really good defensively. Dusty Baker's a very good manager. I'm just not seeing what the problem is with that roster. Especially, I think they're going to be able to take advantage of a New York team that has just been up and down like crazy over the last week. That obviously will go from winning this series tonight to flying to Houston to literally playing in game one like in less than 24 hours. Um, I don't think that's ideal for the Yankees, although they will have Garrett Cole um well no they won't have Garrett Cole on the mound for that one will they no no so that's I mean that's the other part of it they won't be able to start that series off with Cole so I like Houston in that one on the NL side I literally have no idea I have no idea who's going to win this series which I love I love that the series is just chaos ultimate but I have absolutely no clue who's going to win if if you had, if getting I had a rematch say, i think we're getting a 2009 rematch you think it's yankees gut. phillies okay. yes i think we're getting yankees phillies i think the Phil- uh, the yankees are winning the world series i think we're getting okay. the 1995 1996 return john do you know why i am citing those two years because you were alive during them i was alive that is true people forget <laughs> uh 95 the braves won the world series mm-hmm. 96 the yankees follow that up okay i see what you're doing i would just like to note that uh Mm. the last time the phillies won a world series we got hit by the single worst global recession since the great depression Mm. so and given the way economic markers and and trends are going yeah uh a phillies another phillies world series is almost certainly going to be followed by another recession (laughs) so if you have money in the stock market you really need to be rooting against the phillies man like the we don't we don't need that again but i i think um I think ultimately San Diego is the deeper team here. I think mm-hmm. part of the problem the Phillies are going to run into is that bullpen is going to have to be used heavy over the next. Uh, we don't know what games. David Robertson's status is, right? Like, he's on the roster. Um, yeah, but we don't know obviously how how good he's going to they be. They trust him, and yeah. And I think too, like Philly's big advantage throughout this postseason so far has been the one-two of Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola. Zach Wheeler obviously starting tonight. Nola starting tomorrow. But I think the Phillies are well set up to counter that because of having darvish and snell and musgrove um obviously they're in you know and and the other thing too is you know i don't love you know i'm sure padres fans don't love the idea of mike clevenger starting an nlcs game but the other side of that is the phillies are going to have to ask ranger suarez and possibly like um uh what's his name the from tech kyle gibson yeah playoff game and that's way way worse so i think i just think ultimately the phillies don't tell trevor plough Luffy, yeah um guy. i i ultimately think the padres are just a deeper team and i think this is the this is the area too where i think team depth team depth in a five game series doesn't matter as much team get mm. depth in a seven game series i think is much more important and i think the padres are ultimately a deeper team so give me a houston san diego world series we disagree on both we disagree on both give me that houston san diego world series that is going to make rob manfred tear out what little hair he has left well, uh, hold just... on, hold on. That was not necessary, John. That that we could have lived without that one. That okay, there's okay. all kinds of things to to attack Rob Anford for, but that was not one of them. That's, uh, let's settle that's down fair. here. Read but the room, I, John Taylor. I, I'm really interested. We're on if, video. If we do get a Padres Astros World Series, I'm really excited to hear the frantic, angry meetings among MLB's uh, sales and advertising people about like what are we supposed to do with this? 
which any fan would tell you, it's like, okay, you build it around Manny Machado and Jordan Alvarez and Justin Verlander and you Darvish and all the cool players. They're gonna be like, how much Fernando just, Tatis Jr. sucks. Yeah, just make a whole make a whole Tatis narrative. I don't care. Mm-hmm. So like, yeah, that's that's my world. Are we sure right. Tatis is good? <laughs> We're not honestly at this point. No. Like he's been hurt and then he got popped for steroids. Know, like it, it's not ideal. Bit. It's not yeah. what you want. Another surgery this week. I saw. No, well, yeah, I mean, he's taking advantage of the downtime he's going to have. Although yeah. someone made the point, like, the further the Padres go in the postseason, the fewer games uh, Tatis will miss next season because these games these games being played count toward his suspension time. So Padres' long postseason run, uh, secret op to get Fernando Tatis back earlier in the season. Yeah. Or I also just I want know. my number one. I'm rooting for the Padres at the four remaining. Like, that's who okay. I want to see win. I want AJ Preller to be vindicated for trying to win baseball games and to try and win a title and do whatever he can. I, I want I, that story to win. I want to see how Philadelphia handles a World Series championship and the Eagles potentially being the best team in the NFL. Yikes. Well, I, I think that. that's going to produce some truly. Some men just want to watch the world inten- burn. That's yeah, exactly. I, I want chaos. And I think mm-hmm. Philly brings the highest chaos potential and quotient but I, I think my world series pick ultimately is houston against san diego and and go from there which would be an amazing series i would any that's the thing any combination of these four teams going forward is going to make for a great world series no matter what that's fair uh john taylor what can the good folks check out from you and the team over at fangraphs.com so obviously, given the discourse around early playoff exits, we've focused a lot on that. I mentioned Jay Jaffe's piece on the kind of the history of these short series and the fact that there is this seemingly growing disconnect between the regular between regular season results and postseason results. That went out uh, yesterday, Monday. You sh- everyone should check that out if they haven't. Uh, we'll be running something on Wednesday by Dan Simborski in a similar vein where he uses the, the fancy value of math to show that, hey, there's not really any predict... There's not really any... Or better said, this is just how the playoffs work. That This is just mm. what happens in the postseason. Here's the numbers to prove it, basically. Uh, beyond that, we'll have our usual postseason coverage. We'll be writing off every game. We'll be having... Uh, there's actually... Well, it's too late now. There's a Game 1 chat going on for this game, uh, an LCS Game 1. But by the time everyone hears this, yeah, LCS be, Game yeah. 1 will be... But there'll be more chats. Over. There'll be more chats, though. We'll be doing more chats. Uh, and obviously, we'll be covering any of the major stories that pop up through the postseason. You know, last week we had a piece on whether or not Robbie Ray against Jordan or what, what was the thinking for the Mariners using Robbie Ray against Jordan Alvarez pieces on Garrett Cole's curveball usage pieces on Jose Alvarado uh, being the most important reliever in the Phillies bullpen. Uh, our, our editor in chief Meg Rowley had a wonderful piece on uh, from the scene of game three in Seattle, just uh, how that felt as a Mariners fan. So we're covering the postseason every which way. And then obviously once the postseason is done, which is actually coming up pretty close on us, We'll have our top 50 free agents, so keep an eye out for that because once the World Series is over, free agency starts pretty much right away, so we're going to have to dive right back into that cesspool. <laughs> so, yeah, coming down to Fangraphs, help us keep the cesspool full. Get a, get yourself a membership, $60 a year for ad-free membership. Download our app, follow the playoffs along with that for all your Fangraphs stats needs. Do that today. John Taylor, always a pleasure. I will talk to you next week. Yep. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.